You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome listeners to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show that is for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little bit deeper into life than you may be able to do on your own. We are the show that is grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit, offering you a perspective from both worlds at the same time that you're not apt probably to find anywhere else. And so we're happy that you're joining us. I'm Callie Alpert. I'm here just outside of New York City with my dear friend, co-host and psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg. Hello, Callie. <laughs> Hello. Aside from the fact that it's a sparkling blue day in Los Angeles. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm dedicating the show to my daughter who's listening in. Beautiful. And one day we were talking about near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. And she said, Daddy, why don't you do a show on that? Ah. And I thought, okay, we're going to do a show and I'm going to dedicate it to Elise. Oh, beautiful. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to second that emotion and double dedicate. That's beautiful. So thank you, Elise, for the for being our muse today. So we ask our listeners to start. Have you or anyone, you know, ever experienced a near death experience or heard about people that have? Do you have a fear of death like so many people do that could use a little bit of softening uh, around the edges? Perhaps you're curious about the lessons people come back with and the stories that they tell. So tonight we're going to talk about those stories. We're going to share some of the intel on those stories. Uh, we're going to share the three biggest universal insights that people that have near-death experience um, experiences come back and share. And we're going to do a cool kind of reframe around death that might have you just uh, living more joyously and hopefully using the lessons well while we're still here on this great big blue marble spinning in the sky in this collective life of ours. So that was a a lot. You like that? Yeah, I do. I like that spinning blue marble. Oh yeah. That just kind of popped out. I just, uh, just sort of shared it in the moment. (laughs) It's a good visual. So let's start with what a, um, a near death experience is. Right. Because there is a um, you've studied these extensively. So I'd like you to start just by introducing us to the actual um, just a little bit more of the clinical definition of what it is, because we also have to remember there's a lot of people that think this is a big crock of BS. Yeah, well, um, it's an exciting topic that I've studied since I was in my 20s. And I've always been fascinated by it because I've been fascinated by life. And if you're fascinated by life, you're usually fascinated by death. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is for a near-death experience that somebody almost dies. This could happen in a car accident. Yeah. It usually happens on operating tables. It can happen in a drowning. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of case studies of people who have drowned and come back to life. Mm Near-death means that you have an experience, sometimes you're pronounced clinically dead, right? but somehow you come back from that. Right. And the most unusual, one of the most unusual things about it is for the people who come back from these things and get to talk about their spiritual experiences, usually there is no physical damage, which it seems from a medical point of view, impossible right because some of them are really long periods of time like longer than we hear is 
um, uh, makes it possible for someone to come back if uh, you know a brain has been dead or a heart has been stopped for per- for X period of time. It feels like a lot of these stories include that time times like three or four. You know, up to like that sometimes times twenty, three or thirty four, minutes. Most right? people, after about five or five minutes, would come back in a vegetative state. Right. But the person we're going to talk about today, Danian Brinkley, was out for twenty-eight minutes mm. and came back. And we'll we'll tease this at the end. How how he came back. Uh, being wheeled on a stretcher into the hospital. You know, it's amazing, too, before we go into some of the more specific um, uh, sort of iterations of what happens um, as you're crossing over. Uh, you know, I've done a good amount of stories um, with uh, of these people for various television shows that I've worked for along the way. And um, there are definitely universal parts to the stories and consistency, which you'll get into a little bit more. And there's also this beautiful sense of reassurance because I want to acknowledge that, you know, obviously death is a taboo topic, especially in our culture. It's one of those dining room conversation or dining table conversations you're not supposed to have, which is why you and I would probably be apt to make it one of the first ones as a servant and appetizer <laughs> somewhere. Um, but the, but the, but part of our goal today beyond um, sharing some of this inspiration and some of the lessons that we can learn um, living is that, um, it's, you know, we were trying to take the kind of macabre out of it, or maybe even some would say the preciousness and the fear out of this, out of this topic. And you definitely feel that way when you're privy to these stories. So I just wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody knew what our intention was, so we're not getting too dark about it. But let's talk about the process. What happens? Okay, so the process is uh, pretty standard, which means uh, about maybe 125,000 or 150,000 case studies. People go through the same kind of experience. So let's take the experience in an operating room. When things go south, the heart stops beating. And then what will happen is an individual will usually, and these are general rules, they'll usually be watching the operation from the ceiling So part of them, their spirit, has come out of the body. They see their own body on the operating table. Mm -hmm. And then they're watching frantically, the doctors and nurses frantically, trying to revive them Mm -hmm. in a state, and they're in a state of bliss. Often they're like, please don't try too hard, sir, doctor, right? Because they're not in a hurry to come back. The bliss is so strong that often people come to this kind of demarcation zone. Should I go back? Is it important to go back? Or maybe I'll just stay here. Mm. So that's step one. Mm -hmm. Step two is after they go on from there, and maybe it could just end there, and they come back into the body. But if the experience goes further, what they'll see is a tunnel a dark tunnel, and at the end of the tunnel, there'll be this brilliant light, and that their spirit is flying through this tunnel, again, with no fear, in a state of extraordinary peace and equanimity, and they get to the end of the tunnel, and they're met with a being of light. The being of light could be Jesus, the being of light could be Buddha, depending on what you have believed in your life in terms of your religion. So they're not too big for all the people that are crossing over those special iconic ascended masters are not too busy to meet everybody that they need to meet, right? There's a ticket for everyone in line. There's a ticket for everyone in line. It's like the Disney movie soul. <laughs> if you saw the movie. I have, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So everybody gets to have a personal envoy. And then what happens is you sit you sit somewhere, whatever that means, without a body. <laughs> On a beanbag chair or a magic carpet. And then you have this experience called a life review. Mm. And the life review is a systematic, very detailed experience of everything that you've ever gone through in your life. And the being of light is standing behind you with no judgment at all, just pure unconditional love. As you watch this review, 
but at certain times the review is stopped and you see where you could have loved more. And we should point out here, uh, I, I actually also want to just digress for a moment and invite anybody who wants to call in and share their own personal experiences, stories that they've heard or read, questions that they might have, please join us at 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. I neglected to say that earlier. So this is the other part that I think is really tricky for a lot of people if we're going to go on this journey of the, you know, just having some modicum of belief in um, near-death experiences, is that the lack of judgment applies universally to everyone, every single soul that crosses over. So that includes people that have done extremely transgressive and difficult and homely things here on earth, right? Yes, there's equal opportunity in heaven. Mm-hmm. So you, when you get to heaven, you're not judged. Yeah. You're loved, but you learn where you could have done better. Don't they talk about also the um, the life review? Um, I think when I've heard people describe drowning, the experience of drowning, mm-hmm. that often they see their life flashing before them. They Is do. that a similar sort of thing? It may be a precursor to a more extensive life review. Yeah. But that's obviously in our physiology somewhere, that ability to have a life review. And usually the life review is slowed down. And so something can be happening very quickly. But when we have this life review, it's very slow and almost methodical, seeming like a long time has gone by. And maybe it's just been five or 10 seconds. Mm. What's the average time of a uh, length, like duration of a near-death experience? Do you know? It's hard to tell. Um, obviously, the longer ones are 15 minutes or longer. Mm-hmm. So maybe in the range of eight to 10 minutes. I just keep thinking about how... Uh how amazing it would be. And certainly we'll get, um, as we get further into the show, we'll talk more about how we can ground some of these very ethereal stories again in in living, you know, lessons for living here uh, on earth now. But imagine when you think about that life review and the amount uh, the lack of judgment and love that gets showered on every soul so that they can have a very pure and safe learning experience. If there was a way we could take some of that and harness it, while we're here toward ourselves and toward other people, just as I'm listening to you describe it, I think, wow, it's interesting that we have to, you know, wait to cross over to have the experience to that degree, you know? Well, I, what I, funny story comes up about Leonard Bernstein, uh, the great composer, and uh, he worked in these Hebrew schools in New York. And when people, when kids first came to Hebrew school on the first day, the teacher would dip their finger in honey and, <laughs> and write a letter on a piece of paper and the child would lick that letter off and they would start learning their alphabet that way, the Hebrew alphabet. That's so beautiful and precious. I've never heard that. I love Isn't that. that. Lovely. Yeah, I love that story. So what happens after the life review? So after the life review, people have all kinds of experiences. I mean, the more extensive experiences are very uh, colorful and detailed and flamboyant. Sometimes people go to crystal cities and and meet with masters and ascended masters. Uh, Sometimes people go to a, a different part of this heavenly realm and begin practicing different ways of behaving that would be more conducive to a loving and compassionate kind of demonstration of action. And um, they're they're very varied and and very extensive. And then the part comes where you either cross further into the great unknown or you come back? Yeah, sometimes, again, general idea on this, there usually comes a point where there's a crossroads and at that crossroads, there's a decision that's made. And that decision is based on all of the things that a person has 
back on earth that is that are waiting for him or her the families the unfinished business and whether or not they should go back to earth or they should continue and allow themselves to die and usually at least because these are the people who came back to talk <laughs> right, about it unless they have a really loud megaphone we don't know what the other people were doing <laughs> The people who came back came back with these beautiful and um, very deeply heartfelt stories. Mm. And we're going to share. We're going to talk about some of the some of our favorite stories that we've read over the years. Um, the other thing that comes to mind that I find so fascinating is that when we cross, we remember this life. We go with our memories, right? Yep. Do we not? Yep. But yet, when we come back in whatever lifetime, um, as the circle of the soul life continues, we don't remember, most of us don't remember what happened in the spirit world. We might know right. it intuitively, karmically, things might start showing up that we recognize as not being of this life. But for the most part, we don't remember. And that's always fascinated me. Someone explained it once, like if you're watching a movie, you don't want to know the end of the movie when you're just starting out. So of course, you're not going to be privy to like the whole story laid out for you, you know, as you're just starting, meaning like coming, taking birth and coming back. Um, but but leaving, you take all of this with you. Right. Because if you knew the story, as much as we would relish <laughs> you know you're looking yeah you're looking at me like i know you i know you i know what you're thinking as much as we would relish yeah. with all the psychics and all the angel cards we draw mm -hmm. to know the future it takes away the beauty the raw beauty the poignant beauty of what it means to be alive in the moment mm. And uh, so we've come here to have drama. And there's no drama if you've read the last chapter of the book. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. And then we all, especially if you're on a spiritual ride, we all um, aspire to remember. It's love, serve, remember if you're you know, a Ram Dass fan. Um, but the remembering is remembering this great beauty and vastness that exists in the great beyond where we all feel this unequivocal amount of love and light and lack of judgment indescribably all the time. So while we're here in these bodies, a lot of us are, you know, are hoping to have more of those feelings of remembering our source and where we came from. And yet it's not in our human um, makeup for it to come supernatural. You know, or I shouldn't say supernaturally. It doesn't work here, but it doesn't come naturally. Well, it comes. Remember the, what the Tibetans said. <laughs> the way to the extraordinary mind is through the ordinary mind. Right. And the ordinary mind is chock full of lots of goodies that we have to deal with. Pitfalls and obstacles and... Uh, all kinds of mountains we have to climb. And uh, this is why we've chosen to come here. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> you know, I always get exasperated when you talk like that. I'm like, really, do I have, do we still have to do this? Um, so let's talk a little bit. <clears throat> this is the other thing that's so interesting. We talked about this when we were um, getting our, the show together is that, you know, um, the United States is probably not the most reverent of death. We have a great collective um, cultural fear of death, the way we mourn it as opposed to celebrate it. Again, I'm generalizing. There are plenty, plenty of uh, exceptions, but also um, historically we haven't looked to um ancestry and to the afterlife as a source of wisdom the way the indigenous cultures have right that's right so ancestry we, we talked about this in our pre-production yes our very formal production and pre-production meetings we have so we talked i talked about ancestor worship right and ancestor worship is not what you think it is because in the indigenous cultures uh, they had the ability to talk to the ancestors directly and for the ancestors to talk to them. That's how it started. The ancestors, people who went from the beyond, they had, uh, during the more ancient times, there was more fluidity and psychic ability. 
And so when somebody died, they wanted to be of service to the people they left behind in terms of crop planting, fertility, hunting, the things that they needed to know to survive. And so the tribe would have rituals and during those rituals, they would make contact with the other side Mm. and they would get wonderful information that was very, very practical as well. That's and all, you know, when you study indigenous cultures, they all have this ancestor worship. This is a universal. Do you, and also, I mean, I, I have to wonder if the reason that it was more fluid, there was more of a relationship and a coexistence between earth life and divine afterlife, because they were, it was less complicated back then, or they were just more, just more conducive. We hadn't really muddied all our waters and gotten. Yeah, that's true. It, it's, um, I, it has to do with matter, mattering less. Mm. <laughs> that's that's going to be the new bumper sticker. <laughs> I like that. So matter wasn't as um, three dimensional. Yeah. If you can imagine people being born with. Um, all kinds of four-dimensional abilities. Things were not as concrete. Mm. The Industrial Revolution hadn't happened. Science mm-hmm. hadn't happened. And there's nothing wrong with science or Industrial Revolution. But it tends to focus our energies on matter more than spirit. Right. More dense matter. Yeah. Mm. So interesting. I just... Uh... It's beautiful, you know. You think about all the indigenous cultures that a lot. I, I'm a huge fan of. I just have always been very, very drawn to indigenous cultures and read a lot and sought them out in my travels when I could. And um, to me, it's like it's palpable. It's almost just right. a transmission, just that energy. It's not even something that you have to really. I don't know. I, I maybe I was one of them at some point, but I really feel a deep resonance with that kind of openness, that open communication. And we have so much that we can learn from them. And now I feel like our society has become, there's a full circle thing going on where people are starting to seek that kind of wisdom again by the more um, simplistic lifestyles and indigenous cultures. It's really well, Well said. So let's talk about, we've got a few minutes before our, um, before our, uh, our break. Do you want to start with a story? One okay. of your favorite, like, outstanding stories I'll about an NDA? With, yeah. And if I don't finish, we'll do it after the break. Mm-hmm. Danian Brinkley, a story that I read in a book called Saved by the Light, uh, a very uh, ma- a very alpha male, Green Beret, and during his time in Vietnam, he was asked to go through the jungle he was one of these special force, special ops guy. He was asked to go through the jungle and to assassinate the general of the North Vietnamese army. So anyway, many years after that, 30 years later, he was in his home in Vermont and it was during a lightning storm. And during the storm, he was hit by lightning. He was on his bed reading. And wow. He was taken up to the ceiling in an arc of lightning. Wow. And then he fell onto the bed and the entire frame broke into the floor. The odds. At that point, his wife ran screaming into the bedroom. He seemed to be dead and she called the paramedics. At that point, he had a journey. And in this journey, he was back in Vietnam. And he remembered exactly what happened. He got his mission papers. He remembered going through the jungle for three or four days. He remembered taking his rifle and looking through the site and firing at the general's head. He watched the general's head explode. And the next moment, he was at the general's funeral. But he wasn't at the general's funeral as right. Danian Brinkley. Right. He was at the funeral as his wife. And he felt everything that his wife was feeling. Mm. 
And then after that, he was at the general's funeral as his eight-year-old son. And he felt the loss of his father. And he went from person to person and felt the extraordinary poignant loss of this wonderful man who he assassinated. Mm. And so what happened was, should I wait or should I continue? No, no, you keep going. We've got a, we've got a minute. Okay. And so this journey ended. And when he woke up, he could not move his body. Wow. And he, all he noticed was he was on a gurney being wheeled down with a sheet over his head. He couldn't move. Wow. And he tried to get the attention of the orderlies. And he started blowing. All he could do was blow. <laughs> the sheet. And he was blowing on the sheet. <laughs> and they saw the sheet oh, rise and fall. And they realized that he wasn't dead. Oh, my goodness. And that was 28 minutes after they had the ambulance had got him at his house wow. to the time he was in the hospital. Wow. And he had no brain death. He had no physical abnormality after this 28-minute ride. Wow. That's extraordinary and so amazing and magical and hard to fathom how we get our souls get put in those positions to have that experience. So when we come back, I want to hear a little bit more. We'll button up that story and we're going to talk about some direct experiences Steve and I have had with the other world and also some lessons that the NDE survivors have brought back. We'll be right back. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, everybody, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. I'm Callie Alpert. I'm here with my dear friend, co-host, and psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg, who is just wrapping up a really powerful story. We're here talking about near-death experiences. We're about to share the lessons that have come back from the survivors of near-death experiences. And you are going to um, just uh, share a little bit more about the Danian Brinkley story, which was very riveting. And so Daniel, of course, was this very aggressive hyper male. And when he came back from this experience, uh, he came back with extraordinary vulnerability and sensitivity. He said the experience of watching and, and becoming these different people at the funeral site just broke his heart mm. because he realized that he was everyone. Mm. And realizing that he was everyone made him um, change his mind about how he treated people. And he said that he came back with three different different principles. And these three principles are universal. They're found in almost every story of people returning from NDEs. And the first principle... And it's the principle that we talked about in the life review. Where can I have loved more? Mm. Where can I love more? Where can I be more compassionate? Where can I be more kind? Where can I be more tender? So that's the first universal principle. Beautiful. In fact, that's why we're here. We're here to extend love. And the second one is that This earth experience is a school for souls because what happens to people is they leave their ego and they become their souls again. And so they realize when they're on the other side that the souls come here to have human experiences for very profound reasons. So this is a school for the souls. And the third thing that people come back with is they're no longer afraid of death. So beautiful. If we could sprinkle these very deep learnings on everyone, how different the world would be, you know? 
Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about those three lessons and how we can perhaps apply them to our everyday life in a moment. We have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? I am. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Hey. What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm Denise, and I'm calling from New York City. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Do you have a question or a comment you'd like to share? I do. Um, It's a simple question. Everything you're talking about is just beautiful. Thank you. It's uh, hitting me, resonating quite deeply. Um, And uh, assuage is the fear part, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But my my curiosity is um, pretty simple. Why doesn't everyone who's close to death have that experience? Or do they and they're just not reported? Is there information about that? Any thoughts about that? You want me to comment? Yeah, thank you for the question, right? Because you're the sure. you're the um, student of these NDEs more <laughs> the than I am. Of the NDEs. <laughs> I actually, I can make a uh, guess. I don't know the answer to that, but these experiences are so profound. They seem to be a soul calling that the circumstances surrounding the experience in some way occur because a person needs, the the individual going through the experience needs an adjustment in like Daniel Brinkley that I talked about. Mm -hmm. They need an adjustment in order to fulfill some of their soul plan on earth. And I think a lot of these things happen in the extraordinary way for these adjustments to be made. Uh, Other individuals uh, perhaps don't need that kind of thing. It's not appropriate for their evolution at any given time. And that's kind of the best guess I can make. Do you have any guesses on that? Or it's that, um, and perhaps a lot of people aren't reporting them. Um, or maybe they're having different levels. These are complete guesses. This is purely intuitive. I'm not speaking from any um, real knowledge here in terms of these case studies or lack thereof. But I would imagine that it's a combination of either people that don't want to share them, might not believe them, might come from religious backgrounds or other areas where they don't feel like um, safe and, and sharing them. You hear that story here and there as well. Um, but I think also Denise is asking for people that, about people that don't universally have these experiences. So it's hard to parse out if they're not having them or if they're just not reporting them. Right. I don't know if that I don't know if that helps with your question, Denise. It does. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Wonderful subject. I will Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for Thank the you question. So yeah, that's that's interesting. And to take that a moment a, a little bit further, you know, it's how universal is this experience sort of to Denise's question, because um, we can't speak for every, (laughs) every soul in the ether. Um, But is it a preordained or predestined thing that some souls are going to have this experience that some are going to have this experience to greater degrees? I don't, you know, I certainly can't speak to that. But it's a question that's sort of popping into my mind. Yeah, And I think that's why when I said it's a soul driven experience. Yeah, it's very special. It's a portal. It's an initiation into another world. It's an initiation into the profound nature of your human experience. And only certain people, I think, are ripe for it. Mm. Quite, a, quite a gift to receive. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling and for listening. Yeah. I want to also point out, first of all, there's so many, so many stories that we've read and heard, um, like I said, interviews that I've done with a lot of um, people that have had these experiences. Um, Anita Morjani is one that comes to mind, and we will mention her in honor of Elise, your daughter, and our muse for this show, Um, (laughs) because, you know, she has a book... um, is it uh, dying to be me? And I'm sorry if I might, I'm going to butcher some of the details because it's been a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. but one, a lot of the, she was very sick with very um, extreme, like a uh, uh, stage four cancer riddling her body and really on the brink of death. And there's a big backstory about how she feared cancer was one of her biggest fears, how she lived a life that was not in alignment with her soul. She was um, often busy pleasing other people and picking uh, professions and lifestyles and perhaps relationships um, that were not fully honoring of who she was and what her heart was asking her to do. 
And when she crossed and had this experience, part of um, she came back with a lot of things. One of them had to do with more of a fearlessness, certainly about death and also a huge desire to be more in alignment with herself. But the other thing that's really noteworthy here is that she had a spontaneous healing where I believe there was no um, evidence or very little evidence of cancer remaining in her body, like a true miracle um, and explained in that in, in that context as the deepest alignment that you can have with your soul is when you have that kind of godlike experience. Um, again, I'm oversimplifying here, and that's a you know definitely a much more serious topic in terms of um, people's illnesses and how and why they get them and how they if they're you know blessed enough to um to to come back and be able to cure it um is a, is a it's a show in itself. Um, but really powerful, you know, the experiences that people have and what they share, the knowledge, the idea that they, they're able to see, you know, people in other rooms that um, doctors or people waiting in areas of hospitals that had nothing to do with their specific story. Even uh, that, Alex, was, that was actually Melvin Morris's story. Oh, you might have started to tell me about that one, like some of the, the socks, the color of the socks on this uh, room. This teenage girl was brought in. He was an ER doctor at the time, but he was a pediatrician by training. Mm. And a girl who had drowned in her family's pool was brought in. And they were trying to resuscitate her and couldn't do it. Wow. And, and during that time, not only was she watching everything going on, but she was looking at the color of the socks that the doctors were wearing, which she told them after the experience. She went down to the waiting room as a spirit and was with her two brothers who were waiting for her watching a TV show. And she talked about what was on TV that day, what room her brothers were waiting in, uh, the tie, the color of the tie the doctor was wearing, all this time being having been pronounced dead. Really amazing. I mean, it's really, it's testament to the idea that we are really all one big energy field. And if we can get rid of all these veils and walls and ego and um, all the things that keep us separate from a larger energy, um, we'd have more of that capacity to tap into. It's really, even Alexander is another one, very um, well-known story that's been, uh, you know, high profile in the last uh, maybe five, uh, seven, seven-ish years, ten-ish years. Um, but one of the things he talks about in his book is that um, he saw the face when he was riding on the wings of butterflies, perhaps, he saw the face of somebody that in the in this experience he didn't recognize, but when he came back, he came to learn that this face was the exact face of his a biological sister that he had never known, that he you know met in the again in the in the in the other the other world the other realm. So it's very powerful how um, boundaryless and vast these stories are. We have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? I am here. Hello. Um, may we have your name and where you're calling from? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Paul, and uh, I'm calling from Del Mar, California. Hi, Paul. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Do you have a question or a story you'd like to share? Yeah, I, I have a couple things. One, I think the reason why not many more people record uh, NDEs is because you have to have a certain situation in the brain. The brain has to stay alive, and uh, the person has to come back. <laughs> Most people die. So that situation, to mm. you know, from a physiologic standpoint, doesn't happen frequently. So that's why you don't get it mm. back. But, you know, I have a real conundrum with this, I'm gonna, and I'm going to tell you a few things. I'm more scientific about this. Mm -hmm. And I really love your comments. Um, you, you. you know, we talk about ancestor worship, and um, our ancestors are all encoded in our DNA. We inherit mm -hmm. DNA from our parents, our parents from their parents. And even before we're born, there are certain neurologic patterns that are in our DNA. Okay, so we're born, we develop new patterns. Um, we get habituated patterns over our life experience. We get our personality, so on and so forth. And then, boom, something happens. 
and we uh, die. And some people come back and they have a near-death experience. So what I wanted to do, um, and I'll, I'll try to be as brief as possible with this, but uh, I'm very interested in consciousness mm. and um, near-death experiences. You've and, come to the right you know, place, the, Paul. The, the, the research in this, and this comes out of uh, the University of Michigan Consciousness Lab, and um, a gal by the name of Chimo Berigin uh, did this. And what she did was she um, anesthetized rats. She put microdialysis catheters in their brains, and then she woke the rats up. And with the microdialysis catheters, you can measure neurotransmitters in the brain. Okay, so she saw what was going on with that. Then she arrested the rats. So no more circulation. The rats were dead. And she looked at what the neurotransmitters were doing. And within a very, very short time, the the transmitter DMT, which is a, a psychedelic substance, peaks mm -hmm. in these rats' brains. So, you know, I wonder what happens you know, in somebody that now has a reduced oxygen consumption in their brain, and now mm -hmm. this DMT, you know, is, is produced, they're having these psychedelic experiences, and these doorways to other realms, you know, are opened up. So, right, and we hear that a lot from um, people, I don't want to even say naysayers or put you in that category, but the science versus spiritual um, conversation a lot that people that are not believers in a, in a certain version of um, of this experience say that it is all physiological, which I think is where you're going with um, with sharing that ex that yeah, experiment, so, right? So, so you know the 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 DMT users in the past and the psychedelic users report what you and Steve were saying. The ones that come back, you know, where can I love more? Um, you know, Earth is a school that's teaching me. Uh, I'm no longer afraid of death. There are a lot of similarities here. Yes. And mm -hmm. um, I just thought I'd point it out, see if you have comments. Mm. So what's the, so the conundrum for you is, like, how can we, how can we help with you with your conundrum? Is this sort of the difference between well, those two schools of thought and trying to reconcile them? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Steve, for this one, if you want to take oh, it, because you've got more of a professional it, I don't know opinion. It needs to be reconciled. Yeah. I think it's wonderful to have Paul's um, medical scientific view. Yeah, definitely. Because um, that's, part of the, that's part of the story. And then the spiritual view, which is another part of the story. And we have both views together, both of which are true both of which are important. And there's probably an intersection of those two things going on from right. my point of view. Yeah, they could be, they could coexist. In fact, you know, as a spiritual uh, believer, you know, I would say that, um, Paul, your definition, the scientific piece fits inside of that perfectly fine. It might not work in, in reverse for you if you're more of a, you know, a pure um, science believer, but I do think the two can coexist right. because the stories are the same or similar, right? Yeah, it really works. But the confusion is um, the uh, military person had an unbelievable experience experiencing other people's um, emotions back in time. So right. how does that work? Is this encoded right. in all our DNA? Is that where it really is? Are we not tapping into the vast potential that exists in our DNA? And, you know, this NDE and mm. uh, psychedelic drugs just seem to open up that area. I don't mm. know. I don't know. It's a conundrum, like I said. I think one thing we could say, Paul, is in both situations, whether it's a psychedelic experience or an, in quote, spiritual experience, there's a releasing of the ego. And when there's a releasing of the ego... There's this experience of uh, interconnectedness or unity that happens with both experiences. And whether we place that in purely spiritual or just purely physiological, I don't think it matters that much. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you very much. Yeah, be beautiful. Now you have me thinking. Um, so thank you for that, Paul. <laughs> thank you for joining us as well and for your um, for your. Uh, your your intel uh, actually really interesting and helpful to listen to. So thank you for that. 
Um, that is really interesting and uh, a, b- a bigger conversation that I'm not sure we can do justice to, but now it has me, my, my wheels turning in terms of the ancestral and DNA piece versus the kind of spiritual energetic piece. Very, very cool. So I want to, uh, let's reiterate, um, because this is, I think we, we didn't get to offer up uh, and kind of land the tease about our experiences with the supernatural. But I guess we'll suffice to say that we've both had very, very intense experiences with the other side, not with NDs per se, but with um, speaking for both of us, everything from, um, you know, plenty of people, especially one in particular, a boyfriend that I um, that crossed um, about 15, 18 years ago, who has been in very active touch with me in, in a variety of ways ghosts that Steve has seen, angels that you've seen, voices that I've heard from beyond with my mother having a similar experience as a kid growing up in New Jersey. I mean, endless. We could have three shows just on our stories. I don't want to jip them, but I want to make sure we get to our action steps today. So I think the most important thing to reiterate are the three lessons that um, that we've mentioned that uh, it seems are the universal takeaways that people that have experienced near-death experiences come back and share, as Steve mentioned earlier. One is to find all the ways where you can love more in, in small and big ways, be more generous, be more giving, be more loving, be more compassionate, find your own version of what love is. Not We're not here to define that for you. Um, the lack of fear around death, the fact that there is nothing to fear about crossing over, and that also, um, and this is in no particular order, that life is a school for the souls and that we have talked a lot about here on our show, the curriculum, the earth school curriculum. So with that, we want to share our action steps and at least one or two, one of these is a little on the, a uh, little more offbeat side, which is, is not, you it, know, a big stretch for us. Is that yours, Callie? <laughs> no, actually it's yours. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you can put it all on you. You can take full credit. Um, so the first action step, uh, is coming right out of these three lessons that I've just reiterated, and that is to look inside your own heart or look in your own day or your own relationships and identify a place where you can love more, where you could either savor life more or find an opportunity to be more generous or more tender or to become a better listener, whatever it is for you. But it's really just to have the mindfulness to, um, to practice it. Really? Yeah, because you want to get to that life review, having done all the good stuff that you always wanted to do here. So when you're sitting with that being of light, it's all going to be about love. <laughs> love, baby. Yeah, can, that's true. Can we get it over with before we go so we can just have a, like a bigger dance party when we get there? Yeah, as a matter of fact, Rumi, <laughs> called, Rumi called where we're going the tavern. Love that. Right. Where we begin and where we end, right? Tell say more about that. Yeah, so in Rumi, the Sufi poet, said in before we take birth, we're all in a tavern where everybody gets along. This is the called interconnectedness. Mm. The Zoroastrians get along with the Christians and the Buddhists get along with the Muslims and the atheists are there partying. And then Equity, everybody diversity, everybody's good. All, Bridges the, are all built. the colors, all the rainbow colors are there. And then people take birth and then they don't recognize each other and they get worried that somebody's going to steal something from them and hatred is built and animosities take place and hostilities are marching. And then when we go back again, and this is what happens in NDEs, but when we go back again, he said, we go back to the tavern Mm. And everybody's remembering what happened and they're all partying and they go, you played your role so well. (laughs) I love it. I'm so down for that. When the time comes, I'm in. I love it. I hope I can let me into the through the velvet rope of the tavern. I'll drink to that. (laughs) You'll start drinking to that. Um, So that's our first action step with a little bit of digression. The second one is uh, one that we come to a lot because it really is the magic juice is meditation to open up the portal a little bit more to, you know, to more vast dimensions, to find more stillness, to get quiet, create some version of a practice in your everyday two minutes in the morning of breathing using one of the uh, meditation apps that are popularized right now, like a calm or a mind space. Um, you can always write to us if you'd like 
Um, Steve is a wealth. He's an encyclopedia of exercises of um, breathing techniques and meditations. Can and I then, mention something about that before we go? Yes, every, briefly. Every, every time that you meditate, you're chipping away at the marble of the ego. Sometimes it's marble, sometimes it's mud. Concrete, don't forget about the concrete, con that's mine. You're chipping away at it, mm -hmm. and as you chip away at it, you become more universal, you move toward the higher self, and you begin to have these experiences of interconnectedness and inner peace. I remember when we, uh, a transcendental meditation was brought to the Dr. Oz show and I was working there and the uh, teacher came in and said, why does everybody want to meditate? And I said, I want to raise my consciousness. And everyone looked at me like, what? <laughs> that was my number one. Forget about relaxation and health. I just wanted to like talk to God tomorrow. Um, and then the third action step is the one that's a little bit more creative. I'll let Steve take this one, but it has to do with trying to find a way to connect and hear from the other side. Yeah, so I have a client who lost two dogs about a year apart. And you know how the dog realm is. We love our doggies so much. <laughs> and they were constant companions to her. And she asked me if she could contact them after they were gone because she missed them so much. And I said, make an intention before you go to bed at night that you would love to spend time with your two dearest friends and two dearest companions in the world and just do it for a while. Don't do it with expectation, do it with love. And she did it. And after, uh, I think, three or four weeks, they came to her in a dream on the night of her birthday. Love that story. Love it. Beautiful. So to reiterate these, these action steps, and boy, have we, um, we've really expounded on them tonight more than we typically do. First one, identify where you can love more. Take one of the greatest lessons that comes back from these MDA, NDA, NDE, sorry, and figure out places where you can love more. Uh, learn to meditate and initiate, implement some version of a meditative practice into your days or once a week or whatever it is just to kind of warm it up for, um, into your into your um, your daily life. And finally, explore the idea of trying to hear from the other side, go to bed every night and ask a relative or a pet or whoever it is that you're desiring to hear from and connect with um, to, to visit you. And you will know the difference. You'll know if you're bringing it on sort of because your imagination is so hungry about it or because they're really there. You will know the difference, speaking from experience. So with that, we want to thank everybody for joining us. This has been a really cool, special and fun show. Thank you to Elise for inspiring the topic. Um, you can find us on um, Instagram on One Soul Radio. You can find us on Facebook, One Soul Radio Podcast. Please share your thoughts. If you have topics or questions you'd like to introduce to us, please feel free to do it there. Next week, join us at the same time, same place. Our show, Meeting Life's Challenges with Loving Kindness. All the different ways that we can incorporate loving kindness toward ourselves and toward others. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.